1: To the Comic Book Pit Podcast. This is episode three sixty four. I'm Dan, and with me tonight we've got Scott.
2: What's up, people?
1: And Jared. Hello. So we uh, we here at the Comic Book Pit every week read comics and talk about various topics of discussion, usually but not always comic related. And here's a spoiler warning: uh, this is a review show, so. You know, we take care not to spoil too much or give too much away, but sometimes when we talk about thing books, things happen. So that's your spoiler warning.
0: I think there's a moratorium on spoiler warnings, and I think 28 years.
3: <laughs>
0: is, <laughs> oh yeah, is, is enough time?
1: I think the statute of limitations is up on
2: 27, 28
1: years. I would, yeah, yeah. I would highly agree with that. If you haven't read it by yeah, in almost thirty years, then, yeah. So, gee, Jared, what, what's, what, whatever could be you, you, well, could you be referring to? <laughs>
0: I just so happened to stumble across this little uh, series from this upstart company called Image. <laughs> These young bucks. <laughs> yeah, the guy that used to draw the Punishers um, made a book. No, we read the Wildcats. We went back, mm-hmm. back to the archives. And read the first four issues of Wildcats. Yeah. And it would. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick this off by just by giving my little how I remember that. Uh, I would have been like 12. Yeah, 12. Um, I had like all of the first round of image books. I don't remember where I bought them. I do remember that I had to track all four down, I didn't get them all like as they came out. I can distinctly remember buying. I don't know if it was too. I don't. Know, I so I guess it's not that distinct my memory. <laughs> um, I can certainly remember seeing one like in a, like a glass case at a store, and it wasn't like too obscenely overpriced. In getting it, I don't know if I can't remember which issue it was. I don't even know if I got them in order. Like that's just how it worked. Oh wow! But uh, yeah. Um, and then revisited them now which that's funny like i remember going to all these great lengths to buy these books back then meanwhile i could probably like insulate my house with them yeah like, i can go to
1: a new dimension sale. well it's like fill a wall well yeah that's what i did yeah. <laughs> well if we're talking about i guess uh if, if we're going to do our image origin stories real quick um i was really excited for for image comics overall because that's you know i was reading almost all of those. I know I, actually I, I was reading all of the creators when they were doing their Marvel stuff. Um, Jim Lee was my, my favorite from all the creators. So, so Wildcats was the book I was looking forward to the most. Um, I missed getting young blood because I think so young blood, I think was the first book to come out from image. And I believe it came out, as I was preparing to go to college. So for my, my freshman year. So I, you know, there were a few weeks where I just, or a a month or even maybe longer that I just didn't get to a comic book store. So I missed young blood and I think I was, so I think actually the first image book I ever got was either spawn number one or wildcats number one. And, and I, I read my buddy's, I, I visited my buddy at his college and he had young blood number one. So, you know, still, you know, we're like, you know, college freshmen, we're, you know, still dorking it out. Like, you know, reading comics in the, in our, in our rooms. Um, I'm reading his, you know, sitting in his dorm room, reading young blood number one. Um, but yeah, but, uh, the, uh, Wildcats was definitely my, my favorite of those original books. And probably the one. Let's see what else. So there was Wildcats, Youngblood, Spawn, Savage Dragon, um, Shadowhawk. all
0: right Yeah. I mean, those first four were the ones that mattered to me. But yeah, Shadowhawk. Yeah. What? Well, um. uh what was the Silvestri one? Oh, Cyberforce. Cyberforce.
1: That was yeah. That was that was. Pretty I would to say too. Force
0: Works.
3: <laughs> what
1: wetworks uh, yeah that was the, yeah wills Portasio that
2: was, be, that was like the pluto of of the books though because it wasn't really in the first wave
1: right cool. yeah i think it was supposed to be but oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it it was heavily delayed because i believe at the time wills Portasio suffered like a death in his family. It was like his sister. It's in in the text pieces in one of the Wildcats issues that sister died of lupus. So all these years we were
0: shitting on this poor guy. Meanwhile, (laughs) it's like, yo, dude, my sister died. Like, back off. Yeah. It's just a comic about golden mercs. Right. More important things.
1: Um, Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, image, you know, I mean, I I think by now everyone, you know, whether you were there when it happened or whether you came along later, I think everybody by now knows the story of image comics and how they, you know, they were the rock stars of the comic book industry and, and shook everything up.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Not a deadline. They haven't met. (laughs) I I laugh because just,
2: yeah, that's what we were taught. We're we're like, we better get this show off the ground because one of the things that Jim Lee wrote in the notes was he's like, sorry, issue two for and I was like, "Wow, they wasted no time being late
0: on books." Yeah, <laughs> well, that's just it. Like, that's like, the, like, yeah, we know like lateness is a thing with us. I'm late too. My bad. And it's like, "I had a kid," and it's like, "Oh, yes. and then I'm doing the math. Like, oh, your kid's 28 now." Yeah, I, mm. I was like, "Jesus, Jesus like- that's a <laughs>
3: yeah."
2: Well, yeah, that's my my uh, uh image, Wildcats hero backstory is uh, I was. Finishing college, I think, I was just, you know, AIP, you know, Art Institute, and I actually picked it up at, I believe I picked it up at Bill and Walt's Hobby Shop in downtown Pittsburgh. Mm. Oh, my. Because that was my shop. It was, you know, I lived downtown, and I, the place I could walk to really close. It's
3: um, right there, too.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was right up the street from where I was living, too, okay, so, um, which was Critical, <laughs> yeah. but it, but the, the counterbalance was that I didn't have much money, so then I had to pick which books I would read, and I actually think that I my focus was to get spawned. I think that was my number one out of all the image books, and then when Sam Keith hit with the Max, that all bets were off. That was my book, um, but um, Wildcats I still had to check out because you know I have I was reading Jim Lee's run on X Men. And stuff like that, and I was like, "Yeah, I definitely go check out what he does with Wildcats." Mm-hmm. So,
0: and uh here we are. <laughs> I think Spawn may have been my like go-to. I don't know. I I really don't remember. I don't even remember where I was getting them at, but I I think Spawn was probably the standout to me just because of McFarlane. And Young Blood, I remember reading it and being like, "Oh, this is derivative," and like. That, that was like my like like the first time I like I I guess I I don't want, I mean to be dismissive here, but it's like I developed taste. I can see I can remember reading this like, oh, this is just like a ripoff of what he was doing with Marvel. But it's not the Marvel character. Well, yeah, I mean And I see what a writer and an editor do now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well that you know, that, that was the thing. I mean that was all it was all sizzle and no steak for a lot of these, for, for all the first wave of image books. Um, so I... Jared, I don't know if... Do, do, do you have your books in front of you? I do not, but that's okay. I can get them. No, that's okay. I was just... to. I I, um, I I grabbed mine, the, the actual physical copies, because I, I was saying pre-show that I, I read... If, if you're a subscriber to DC Universe, then you actually have access to... All the Wildstorm books, because you know, uh, famously Jim Lee sold his company to DC Comics, so et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm looking at the cover prices, and they they uh, alternate every issue. The f- issue one was $1.95. dollar ninety five. Issue two was two fifty. Issue that three. Cover. Was, yeah. Uh, issue two was is two fifty, issue three went back to one ninety five, mm-hmm. and then issue four went back up to two fifty.
0: I would if I had to guess, I'd say that cover is why you see the spike in number two. Yeah. And then by the time four comes out, like it's pretty much well into nineteen ninety three and they may have just had to goose yeah. their prices anyways. Yeah. The test would be what's the cover price on number five? Then we could really dissent, discern determine. Uh, you know what? With this, uh, you keep talking. I, of, I, I can look that up. I, All right. I, I have the. I'm too. <laughs> you you put me on the spot, and I just clammed right up. 195. 195? Yep, 195. Yep. So fell back down. So there's just no real oh, yeah. reason to how they price these things. I don't think there's anything extra to four. I think it was a normal size comic. But yeah, well, that, I, I was thinking about that too as I was reading it, like how they were, uh. Merged into the DC universe and how it just did not fit. Like, remember a New Fifty Two and like how
1: Spawn was like the like Superman versus Hellspawn. Oh like, yeah, don't work. Well, and, and 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 Voodoo, they actually just gave Voodoo her own book. So I thought. I thought I remembered her
2: having. And that was a great book, though. What's that? That was a great book. That's yeah. one of my one I'm
1: keeping for sure. I do remember. I, yeah, I think we read that that we, we talked about it on the show when the New Fifty Two was a thing and. I yeah I, I actually didn't mind it, um, but it was just a, a very odd it was choice.
3: That
2: brought it back, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, so just just out of uh, in case you're you know just to uh, let everybody know, so the the book was a dollar ninety five up until issue seven, and then starting from issue eight on, it was two fifty.
2: Um, I was going to add too the issue. Issue two was the one that's two fifty. Um, the one I'm looking at has like a chromium cover. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably what the markup was. Yeah. Right. If maybe you said that and I was it.
3: I did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, um, and
0: the effect still holds up. I was sitting on the couch like tilting it against the light.
1: Yeah. And it still holds up. Nice. So uh, yeah, I don't even know how we we ended up deciding. I, I think it was from a conversation from a couple episodes back. We decided to talk you about these. You were looking at it, and I was like, I have it. I think you know what because oh, I think you and I were talking about the uh, New Dimension quarter sale, which is where I picked up the first dozen or so issues, and I I think we just said like, oh, we should talk about that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So. I, yeah, I, I think overall, I mean, if I were to, uh, give an overall impression of these first four issues, um, I, it, it's like a fast and furious movie. It's fun to look at. <laughs> yeah, it really is. They're, they're I mean, Jim Lee, I mean, this is like yeah. Jim Lee. This is like between like his short run on like the adjective X-Men and then jumping from that to wildcats. I think that's like those years, those two or three years, that's like peak Jim Lee. Um, I mean, these things are just, they're beautiful to look at. Uh, Story-wise, I don't think he or Brandon Choi could write themselves out of a paper bag.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. It is gorgeous to look at, but the writing is amateur hour. And, and and I say that as someone who who has done bad writing, and so when I see it, I'm like, oh, I've written this shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, not only that, but I, I think I, I again we, we need to you know reiterate that you know we're we're saying this I, at least for me. I I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'm you know I'm 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 going to bag on these four issues, but it's all out of love.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean,
1: I mean sure. still have them.
0: Like yeah. I thought one and two were dense as hell to read yeah. and they took me a while to get through and three and four were a breeze. And I get, I think it's because three and four were meant to be just one giant size issue. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's a big old action piece. It's the third act action set piece, you know, the, those last two issues, but yeah, it's but when your the first issue is, is pure exposition mm-hmm. and it's not even really you, it's a bunch of characters just thrown out there, but it's not really like really? strong really? exposition.
2: Yeah, they don't introduce the team per se. They're just like, hey, there's another one.
1: Yeah. yeah. I we're would say con- con- conservatively, we're introduced to like 15 characters probably in the first issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, not there. Uh, maybe the only one that we get a little bit of depth on, uh, and that's even, I, I'm using that word generously, might be um Jacob Marlowe yeah. aka Emp Lord Emp whatever you want to call him yeah. which which I just I decided he he's basically Jack Kirby like I I, I think oh yeah I think 100% 100% he they, they, yeah. he was drawn to be like Jack Kirby also he's not really drawn like a little person he's just drawn like oh. he's just it's like he just like Jim Lee just drew a guy and shrunk him down
0: yeah. He didn't even shrink him down. There's one panel where he's drawn and it's like full size torso mm-hmm. with just teeny like, like the legs are just like cut off above the knee. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, so it's like knee down
1: torso. And
0: it's like, yeah. It's,
1: and you know, like, again, <laughs> at, like at the time, you know, 18 year old me, I was like, Oh yeah, of course this is a little person or a dwarf, whatever. But now it's like, Oh, uh, if, if you've ever seen like, you know, Peter Dinklage in these days who hasn't because Game of Thrones. I'm like, right. oh, that's what a little person looks like. That's what yeah. a du- like someone with dwarfism.
0: Now, is he supposed like, to be that, or is he just supposed to be a short man? They never say, I don't think. Is he like a Danny DeVito oh, type, or is don't he... Don't they... Do they imply that
2: he's actually a gnome
0: in this? No. Or am I getting... oh, there's another character. There's a guy called Gnome, gnome. which I actually is, made... an issue four, there's a whole, like, third team of villains that just pop up out of yeah. nowhere. Well I I, did, I made I a note. About on that page. <laughs> I
1: I that's I I took a bunch of notes for just the first issue just for fun. Okay. And I said it's confusing to have a character called a gnome and then also have a dwarf character.
2: Right. Because I literally was like reading up and down again like, wait, who's
0: calling who what?
1: Well yeah, I thought they were just calling him the gnome in like a derogatory way.
0: Yeah. Um I liked how that, that little gang at the end, there's like the big, like, clay face looking character whose name is Slag. Yeah. There's like, <laughs> and then there's the, the one guy, and there's like this purple prose like, introducing him, like, a former convict named Attica. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. It's so cheesy. Like, when you're 12 or 18 or 22, as the case may be, it, it's just, it's pop. Like you said, it, it's a
1: Fast and the Furious movie. Oh, it I was. Just, I was eating this up like like a chocolate oh, sundae. You
2: didn't, you didn't buy it for the story. You bought it for the two page spreads. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: Look, yeah. <laughs> I, I bought the like I, I I I could tell you immediately from the first issue, Grifter was my favorite character because he was basically Gambit, who was also at the time my favorite char- my favorite X Man. Yeah. So. Duster, spiky hair, check and check.
2: Yeah, I felt like. Wildcats was basically like a remake of X-Men.
1: Like yeah. they, um, <laughs> Which is what Cyberforce was, which is what Youngblood was. Yeah. Youngblood
0: was. Yeah, it was all
1: incredibly derivative.
3: Yeah.
2: But even like this was just one of these dumb I've had this dumb idea forever, but I was like, what if you took the original five X-Men and and created characters that were literal translations of their of their names? You know, so the beast Is a beast and Cyclops is a Cyclops, blah Mm. blah.
3: You know. So Marvel Girl.
2: That's what I was gonna say. Jean Grey was (laughs) up on my thought process, but I was like, what? What if her name's actually Grey Jean, and she's from the future, and she's some sort of, you know.
1: Oh, like like when like a gray alien or something.
2: Yeah, that can you know, trans, you know, go through time and space and. And I started reading this and I'm like, that's pretty much what he did. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's pretty much X-Men mm. and he took like, that's the Jean Grey character. And then, you know, Talk about void. Yeah. Void. And then, in, you know, in Xavier's they're like, well, we'll just make Xavier a, a little person instead of a, yeah. You know, yeah, uh,
3: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You Rip know. So Ripclaw, Claw, was it Ripclaw? That's the Wolverine. character. Uh,
1: Ripclaw is the Wolverine character on cyber force. Warblade. Warblade is the Wolverine character on uh, uh, on Wild Forgive Test. me. I'll see myself out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you got to get through, your your Wolverine ripoffs correct. Yeah, <laughs> and then and there's and, Troll. And then and there's then troll. and then Cougar was the Wolverine ripoff on Youngblood. Oh yeah. Or uh-huh. Team Youngblood. I forget which which there was like seven different Youngblood teams or something. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, uh, speaking of, so speaking of Warblade, I couldn't decide. Um, is okay. First of all, his costume is kind of. I think again, going back like twenty plus years, I probably thought it was cool at the time. Oh yeah, twelve year old Jared thought he was fucking badass. Now I, I remember that vividly. Now all I want to know is two things: what are those what are those tubes all over his costume, <laughs> and that that green ponytail that sticks out is that just for show, or does he have? a long flowing mane of green hair. Yeah. Oh, is, is it a Batwoman thing where it's just part of the helmet? That's what I'm guessing, but it's like
2: yeah, super long hair. Well, I mean, that's the, the trend with the angel. Well,
1: that was the whole, yeah. Like the whole, like, you know, ponytail, long hair, ponytails, mullets. I mean, that was the trend, you know, in but the 90s. Was,
2: but, I mean, if you want – I guess, you know, that was – yeah, that was uh, Shatterstar.
1: You know, that was that. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if, if your analogies are going to go one-to-one. No, they don't really – like, he's more of a mashup well, character. Well, let's yeah. just say – like, But you're right, though. It is
1: the X-Men. Or, <laughs> like yeah. – like, Chopped up and condensed. You know, uh, characters that had, had impractical hairstyles for being in combat. Yeah.
2: Um, all is, is
1: the Hulk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and, and I don't know if they ever explain this or if it's again, I think I think Jim Lee just liked to design things that had no purpose, as probably all those creators did. You like the tu- you're talking about the tusks that come out yes. of shoulder blades? Yeah, those big yellow tusks that come out of his shoulder. Are or like I mean, or are they coming out of his shoulders? Are they on his back? I don't think we ever actually see. Pro- yeah, I don't know. if I the had back. to guess, he probably had a vision. And then one day I'll draw this, like, three-page spread
0: of him, like, bent down and charging like a ram.
2: <laughs> I will say, here's here's the
0: one thing I liked most about this
2: was the first appearance of uh, John Lynch, I think his name is.
3: Hmm. Oh, yes,
2: from, from Gen 13? From Gen 13. I was like, I love Gen 13.
1: Which... So, well, which uh, John Lynch also brought us another 90s trope of the, uh, the uh, aged grizzled uh, secret agent with a scar across his eye. Yeah. Yeah. The 90s. Good times.
0: Yeah. Good times. Yeah. But um, we're just far enough removed
1: from the eighties, but yet it's still, it's, it's still still a tinge of it's still there. Yeah. It's still its own thing. Um. No, I and I didn't. I mean, and uh, this is not a thing I would have noticed when I fr- when I first read it, but re- reading it now, um, they borrowed uh, they borrowed heavily from Frank Miller, and at least in this first issue, a lot of um, especially like Grifter's uh narration mm. as he's first introduced. It's very, um, it's just bad Frank Miller. Um oh and, and there's a the um the page the, the first time that we see um emp when he's laying uh in the alley like in the garbage.
2: Girl, yeah. What's that? The Daredevil fetal position.
1: Yeah, that's the that's that's from like straight out of born again.
2: Yeah. And you know he did that like as an homage. I mean Right. I mean he aim homage, right? Hey, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, and I think you know, that's a sign of the times too. I think a lot of the stuff that we see in this is just, that's what was popular. And, and like, you scratch your head at it now, you know, mm-hmm. but like, it was all about, you know, secret covert everything and superhero teams trying to blend with it. You know, like these loud costumes that everybody's going to see, but they're on covert missions. And it's like, <laughs> yeah.
3: what?
0: Also, and that lasted a long time because I mean, that was basically the ultimate. You know, it yeah. came full circle. Like, they left it the big, did. you know, the big mainstream comic company to do this. And then 10, year, 15 years later, the big mainstream comic companies, probably like, what, 10 years later, are, are well, you know, it came around. Yeah, towards mm-hmm. 2000. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently. then it really wasn't that long ago. People were like, no, we like our comic book characters fun yeah mm-hmm. that's only like maybe like the last five to well, that's what eight years
2: because everybody you know the Watchmen. we can talk about that stuff but i mean it's like Watchmen and stuff like in dark knight set a tone for everybody that was a fan of comics
0: and it's like they had to make it that way
2: you well, know let's, like, put, it, let's I, put it
0: this way duke more time so there's only like six years removed from those books so yeah. like, think mm-hmm. 2014 books now like we're talking about the new 52, like more time has passed between now and the new 52 than it passed between Wildcats one and Watchmen.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the, oh, you know, yeah. those guys, you know, they those books from the eighties, from the mid eighties. I mean, that's, that was their form, you know, what they read. That's what, that was their formative years.
2: Right. So then they kind of it back out.
1: Mm-hmm. And they were breaking in at that time
0: too. And they became like the, the young guns. Of mm-hmm. their age,
3: yeah.
2: The other thing, the other thing that's real heavy in in image books, that, especially in that era, is the whole angel and demon aspect. Oh like, yeah. Em- <laughs> everybody, everybody took their own turn on it. You know what? How to like that's you know it's like here's our basic good and evil plates.
0: You know. Yeah. So how do you pronounce that? Is it cherubim and daemonite, or is it just cherub
1: and demon?
3: Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, no i i it,
1: I, I kind of lean towards how how you just said them like caribum and daemonite yeah is that how yeah, you say yeah Because yeah. 40, 40 kind of year
0: old how... Jared read it with 40 year old eyes I was like oh it's literally cherub <laughs> and demon. And yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but young young Jared's like oh what what is how do
3: work? you say this
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I need a Webster no that's not you know oh that yeah well, the, that's the same Jared that caught it homage for years <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah. Homage studios. Um, (laughs)
1: so, you know, the, the, um, the, the other thing that was introduced in the, in, you know, these, this first issue were the Coda assassins, the the female assassins. And I used to think like, Oh, they must be really like special or unique, whatever. But then I, you know, I'm reading, I'm like, literally everyone has their own Coda assassin on this, in this book. Like, like there's Zealot was with the wildcats. um, Mm -hmm the Gnome had his own Coda assassin, and Hellspont and the Cabal had their own Coda assassin. I'm like, do these people just work for everybody?
0: <laughs> you gotta send in UPC symbols, and you get your own Coda assassin.
1: <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. It was just kind now, was of funny. Was it
0: Zealot, uh, Carib, like breed or whatever? I don't know.
1: I well, thought she was one more- of think so so yeah i, I don't know that it's it's very confusing um so, i don't coda know if, is not like a people It's a like a club yeah I, I i always assumed that the coda was like yeah like a like a like an order like a league of, of assassins love assassins of and i i always i i think they were almost like amazonian like like they were all females but somehow grifter Got taken in by them because oh, you
0: call him yeah brother
1: grifter like, yeah she calls him brother grifter and he calls her sister zealot yeah uh, which I was like man those names are kind of on the nose too mm-hmm. zealot and grifter yeah this one thing I didn't notice until I I had read this um I read issue one twice um once just to take it in and a second time just to kind of like really look at it, you know, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> what,
2: what? It is with some of your notes, too.
1: So, the um, the page where we're first introduced to the Cabal and Hellspot, you know, there's a bunch of people sitting around a table like having a meal, like a bunch of villains, you know, and they all look like businessmen. There's, there's a guy who's sitting there. He doesn't say a word, but he's like he's wearing a monocle and an eye patch. I'm like, you got to just pick one, man.
0: See, now I got to go get my books. I'm
1: you pretty- get, you, you <laughs> get, if if you're going to go with a villainous look, you just got to pick one of those things. You said this was number 1? <laughs> yeah, this is this is like um almost midway through the book. Is this uh, the the voodoo introduction scene? No, this is it's scene. it's the cabal. It's um It's the cabal. It's before they meet Voodoo. It's it's the cabal. Yeah, Uh, where we first meet Hellspawn and Pike. And there's this. Also, he's like practically bright yellow. Like, is he supposed to be Asian? And if so, awkward. (laughs) Oh yeah, I never noticed that before. That (laughs) is hilarious. But I'm like, bro, you gotta, you know, yeah. Come on, Jim Lee. Either give him a monocle or give him an eye patch. Don't give him both.
0: was all. I I don't know if it is uh, my parents' attic or how these are stored, but I feel like the colors have maintained a vibrancy nearly 30 years later. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was all glossy paper, but this
1: is Baxter paper. I, I think this is some, it was like, it was in between like the the old newsprint and the new glossy. It was yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's yeah, it's um. Oh, and hey Jared, uh, do you have um, uh, trading cards stapled into yours? I do. I have Spartan and Voodoo. Uh, that's what I have. Maybe that's maybe that maybe those yeah. came with every one.
0: And there's one. These issues has like I forget what it is. There's it's like in the middle of a two page spread. <laughs> there's an insert like stapled in. Oh, there. you know, I should have, like, there's Gnome foreshadowed in issue one where uh, Void's having her retelling the story of her dream, who, okay, so it's kind of cool, so, really, she was murdered in the future, and a piece of her came back in the past to change the event. Now, we don't really know, we see like, oh, I have a dream, and then in issue four, she's like, oh, so I guess that's what happened. Like, it's not written well, but it is a cool concept.
1: Yeah, I think there is a good story in these four issues somewhere. <laughs> but um, oh, oh, so and okay, so maybe I've looked at this too long. Maybe I'm just looking too much at it. But I almost feel like this um, there's this one panel, Jared. It's the um, it's the page where the cards are stapled in. Yes. Okay. It's where Grifter is first going into the 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 strip club. Yes, that looks like that looks like a Rorsch- like, uh, Rorschach from Watchmen. From behind? Yeah. Mhm. I like. I wonder if if he drew that to be kind of like a. Oh, here's a little like a wink and a nod mm-hmm. or something. Also, notice the length of his jacket when he goes into the bar, and then a couple page late, couple pages later, when the uh, attack happens, it's like full-on duster whereas when yeah. he first wore- <laughs> maybe it's
0: folded up it's like a secret. It's,
1: it yeah. pulls down the uh the gator <laughs> and then uh i mean he's, he's essentially jacket, like on
0: pearls so. yeah he, he's
1: essentially wearing like a waistcoat when he when he <laughs> walks into the bar and then he when he pulls his guns out he's like i think ah. it's flowing yeah like that scene where he's got like two guns blazing against those guys
0: in those suits mm-hmm. and then it's the same reporter from spawn
1: yeah. Oh, that's funny. That was, I didn't even notice that.
2: That was a little crossover, you know, like we're all in this shared universe kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I'm, I'm looking through this, and I'm still like, God damn, Jim Lee can draw some some shit. You're right. Like, it is. It's yeah. fun, just like
0: superhero action comics. Yeah. Like I, you know,
1: I, that's fine. That's what yeah. It can be that. There's a, that's perfectly acceptable. I did, um, I don't know if this, if this, um, if you notice this or if it had, you know, like, I thought it was weird, like, the first couple of page, the first two pages, how it was laid out in these, like, they, they're not even panels. They look like jagged pieces of oh, yeah. panel. Um, I didn't, I didn't really dig that. I thought it was kind of like, dude, oh. you know, like. You're, you're this is literally the first two pages of your first book like rein it in a little bit <laughs> before you start getting uh, crazy yeah, it with, didn't with strike with, me like with that. the
0: page layouts one thing is funny though, like in the uh, second issue he talks about how like oh i had a kid this book's late i was like so here's number two uh heads up it's like there's a lot of like statting and paste ups and there's like mm-hmm. that, on page two that guy drinking that coffee like that thing is copied and pasted into the next <laughs> yeah
2: no, but that that was also like a no editor thing. Like because that was Images big deal was like we put out books that aren't edited by editors because editors are evil. And then they then they put out, you know, jagged panels because they were like, you know, we edit our own books and we can do whatever. <laughs> you you know, would have been like, hey, that coat's too long or too short, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I can the decision to do these jagged panels is that these scenes take place in the past and then
1: the future. Yeah. So like, that's why you do it. Well, that was, that was another thing. And and again, I, I guess I never read like, or really paid attention to the, to the, the dial, the, the, uh, the caption boxes, but it went from 1980 to 1992 back to nine to nine, 1990. And then back to 1992.
0: Yeah, which they call 1990 the present. And then they go back to 1992, which they had called the future, even though it's technically the present. Today, like the... So it's like literally... Hold on, let's go here. Let's do it. It is... The future, August 9th, 1992. The present, New York, August 8th, 1990. Then one, two, three, four for i'm gonna be generous say five pages later today august 8th 1992. <laughs> well i think they were i think they were concerned about making
2: everything timely and like literal because they you know like they they were like if it's moving at you know real life speed then it would be two months later or whatever it took for the book to come out you know like in some mm-hmm. ways they were trying to do that and i think that's where eric Larson got it you know in his head that he's like oh yeah this guy's gonna get old with me you know Savage Dragon um, yeah. but then I don't know if he you know Jim Lee I don't think he really stuck with that but it seemed like maybe initially they were trying to do like we really got to establish that it's happening now in our real world you know like this stuff and that's why they use spoilers they use Dan Quayle
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: I was like what
0: yeah, that's pretty. I don't know if you could get away with that today. Yeah, the vice president sure. is uh, possessed by. Like, that's really how they soften the blows. Like he's not really a villain; he's possessed against his will by an alien. Right.
2: Yeah, and when he took the when he took the shot, you know, like he Dan, possessed Dan Quayle took the shot. Mm-hmm. It felt like they picked the wrong, uh, you know, political person to take a random shot. Um. What's his name back then? Um, nah, Bush's guy. Uh, the other guy.
0: Um, Not Dan Quayle?
2: N- no, it, the second Bush.
0: Um, oh, oh, oh uh, Cheney, Because yeah, he shot yeah. that guy in the face with... The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I
2: thought of. Like, reading it now, that's what I think of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but back then, yeah. Hmm. It was, you know. what? But I, I think... I, I, I don't know. This is something like some... I know like Terry Moore tries to do it, but he tries not to use anything that uh, dates when you're reading the book. He doesn't want it to be dated in a way that you think that it's no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's kind of one of the hangups with this book is like, you're like, yeah, it's 92. Like, Oh my
3: God, and it
0: is yeah. yeah, very much of its time. Yeah. yeah. So like we're talking about how they just like, Past the characters out there, there's no context given. Like they start calling um, Sentinel like Hadrian at one point in time, and you just have to be like, I guess that's his name. Like I, Sentinel. this was never established. Oh, you mean oh Spartan? Spartan. Okay. <laughs> See, well, well, that's well, no, no because, well, that's how Sentinel, they're established.
1: Well, <laughs> well, no, cause, well, you threw me because 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 there's a I think there's a character named Sentinel on Youngblood, so there probably is. <laughs> So I was like, "Are you talking about Youngblood? Did did we switch? No, no, but you're right. Yeah, like they 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 call him Had, like yeah, they call him uh, Hadrian or Hadrian, and I'm like, oh, so that's his name.
2: Yeah. Well, they kind of, I mean, the way they slammed Youngblood into Wildcats, it was like, if you're not reading Youngblood, then you're you know, like you're like, what the hell is all this?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: which I thought was kind of weird that. They had, they basically had a company crossover to launch the books, like, which is also another unheard of thing that they're like, no, we're not even going to build it up. We're not yeah.
0: Gonna it. They, they could do that, though, because, I mean, they had all that free press. Oh, they were the
2: awesome rock stars. Yeah. They could do yeah. That. Yeah. yeah.
1: You knew who they were. Yeah. Well, like, well they even did a um, one of those editors' notes um, in the first issue where, um, when Marlo is uh, picking himself off the off the ground, and he he says, "Oh, what a dream! Lightning faces, big goons, big guns." And then there's a asterisk, and it says, "We know it's not a dream. See Cyber Force Number One on sale soon." Oh, yeah. So yeah, I just, so I guess happened. he so I guess he must have like made a cameo appearance in Cyber Force Number One.
2: Yeah, editor references. And they're like, we don't like editors,
0: but we got editor references.
1: Yeah, in the first issue, you're already making a crossover.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Always be selling. Yeah. Yep. So. Can't find it. Um, the other funny thing I thought
2: we were, t- we were talking about, you know, like, actually showing the team together as you know, like, hey, this is the Wildcats. You know, like, damn. But they they show them bust in, they show them fight, they show them teleport out when the explosion goes off, but they never actually have, like, an official, like, it's the Wildcats! No, so, like, they just get, like, called that. So you don't yeah. get... Um, okay, sorry. Um, but so, you, so you don't get the... Uh, that, that push, but then in one of the issues, and I was trying to find it, But there's a reference when they say Wildcats. Yes. Covert action
0: team. Wildcats are a rogue uh, band. Rogue. And I'm like, what? (laughs) This is what they mean when they call them Mm (laughs) Wildcats.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It was so much. I mean, so... Yeah, I mean, we we could we could really go on probably for another hour, but it was, I mean, but I, I think the the bottom line is these books were were beautiful to look at, but they were definitely overwritten. And uh, once um once the creators took a step back and let actual writers, you know, yeah. have access to their their properties, I mean, I think we saw some of the best. Um. Yeah, like when uh, when Joe Casey took over Wildcats, it was really good. When uh, well, when Alan have, hmm?
2: oh yeah keep, yeah Alan Moore
1: yeah but when he, when Alan Moore took over like when he did his run on Supreme, that was insanely good. Like better than it had any right to be.
2: I was gonna say what they did with these, you know, like basically Jim Lee, you know, is like a he, to me he's look more. Uh, creative, you know, like that's his personality type. He's not there's like that hair thing. I forget what they call it, but but he's the creator. He's the idea guy. He's the idea guy. So he just threw it all all out on paper, and then you bring in your other people, like your your refiners and stuff like that,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: executors I think is what they call them, but um, but they came in and he had all that raw material sitting there that they could write tons of stuff from it. Which I thought was, I mean, that in a way is good because he, he, you know, he uh, dump trucked, uh, uh, you know, a whole new universe. You know, he's like, here it is, boom, Wildcats and the whole universe. And then like every book that launched from that too, like, um, you know, like we were saying, Gen 13 launched out of this. And then, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, what was the other one where they were, uh, it wasn't well- Wild. Uh, Stormwatch. S- Stormwatch. Stormwatch. storm was a great book and yeah that had like, um well that's uh, where uh, time where they were trying to um really pay attention to the time you know
3: mm-hmm. because
2: they did like a two-year they remember they did like issue 24 like right after issue four or something like that it was some goofy.
1: so they oh, did like they did like a, like a big time jump or 40. something
2: yeah, but it was actually number 24 or something like that. It was I forget what number it was. And then when they actually got caught up to it, they had to make sure the story lined up with it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, it was like bold ideas, you know? Yeah. And like, I mean, I can give them credit for that. But yeah, like reading this stuff, it's cringe. Sorry. But, but what came from it is what it meant. I think it was important.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because like i mean talking about stormwatch when um like when warren ellis took over stormwatch um and wrote it until the end i mean that was a great run and that is basically what opened up the, i mean he essentially created the authority because the authority yeah the authority too came out of like came That's from cool. the ashes of stormwatch and that was all like mark miller like, oh yeah you know and and Brian Hitch, I mean, yeah, Brian. You know, so like, I mean, you, you you if you think about it as like, you know, second and third generations of of what came out of you know the the first run of Image Comics, it's it really is staggering to think about. We wouldn't have had
0: the MCU if we didn't have Wildcats. <laughs> we might have lost. I don't know. It's very possible because uh, I mean, the, the, so ultimately this begets the ultimate as you just trace through the creative teams right. that mm-hmm. came through these ranks. They pretty much went to Marvel then and did Marvel's version of this, which you said the militarized spandex set. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of the the influence used heavily when they started the Marvel movies. Yeah. So there you go. You don't have Wildcats. You don't have Avengers Endgame.
2: <laughs> it, was a bold, it was a
0: bold move.
2: Yeah, credit to them. So, <laughs> I mean, you
0: know. <laughs> it,
1: Blew my mind. I'm out. Credit to, to them, too. They
2: all, they all stepped out of the big, you know, the comfort of the big corporate monsters of Marvel. Or real mostly Marvel kids. Then they market.
0: stepped back into the warm embrace.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then they eventually got assimilated back in. You know, but Jim <laughs> Lee. Jim Lee was smart, man. He was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to piecemeal anymore. But you guys are going to bring my property with me, and I get to keep it, and I'll run your company." You know, like not selling out. I'm buying in. He yep. did, man. He killed it. He was, and I got to see him at uh, New York Comic Con like two years ago. And it was great hearing him talk about uh, reading reading that reading that panel about how he started and he's like I didn't know how to draw. Well, at the panel he was actually talking about that. He would he'd set his alarm, he'd get up at a certain time, he would start drawing, he would draw till he had nothing left, you know. And he's like I suck, I suck, but I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get up and draw the next day, you know. But he had
1: oh yeah, he you know, he treated it like a full time job.
2: Yeah. Meanwhile, he was just living at home, you know, like he was like young enough mm. to, to live off the parents and do that. But he also realized that he's like, I better do it now, or I'm never going to get to do this. Mm. So you know, and then he had the the energy. And you know, Tom McFarlane was the same way. Tom McFarlane, I remember seeing him in videos where he, he said he just kept submitting to Marvel until they finally relented. Like they were just like, my God, this this kid won't stop sending this stuff. And they took notice because of the sheer output.
0: And I may be up my own ass with this thought, but like McFarlane was like a pretty decent baseball player and baseball is a pretty humbling game. Mm -hmm. Like if you're successful 30% of the time, you're a legend in that game. So I wonder if, if being, if if being a ball player, like just honed that humility and tenacity. So that, or I don't know, Exactly. I'm currently talking out of my ass with that one. Else, no, I think there's
1: something to that.
2: Yeah, and someone else you should check out is Frank Rosetta's early career because he actually was a ball player too. Um, Frank Rosetta was going to go pro, but he really wanted to pursue art, so he pursued art instead. And it was like, you know, but like basically they were like, he could have been successful in either field. It's just he chose to be a, you know, to be an artist. Mm like, wow. But I mean, that guy's, you know, mm-hmm.
1: Clearly to be, you know, to, to, to participate in any team sport, you know, uh, and be a success, you have to have a certain work ethic and you have to kind of buy into what the coaches are selling. And, and usually what they're selling is, you know, work hard, bust your ass and, you know, equals success equals victory. So, yeah, I think there's really something to that, like that, if they were both, you know, athletes, you know, they, they probably had their fair share of of um, days, nights, weekends, afternoons of hard, just grueling hard work. So if if they were able to translate that into, you know, pencil and paper, you know, it's it's pretty clear then why they're successful.
2: Yeah. Well, frankly. Yeah. Frank it was a gift. Wow. Like he, he, that guy had a gift.
3: Yeah, you know,
2: he didn't have to reference anything. He just he just drew it out of his head. But and I think Jim Lee, you know, like those guys, like Jim Lee. I don't know if he hammered it into his brain so much that it's just that it's always there now. But like, if you ever get to watch people like that draw, it's just insane how they don't. The the thought is already on the paper. They're just. You know, it's just an outline to them. They're just like done. Mm-hmm. It's already done. And it's like you didn't sketch that. You know, it's like now nah, you yeah. really need to. You know. it's amazing. Yeah. Did you see the video? This is a off. This is just a random thought. But did you see Jim Lee, the video of him trying to sneak sketches? This was from a couple of years ago at San Diego Comic Con. He was running up behind people with backpacks, and he was trying to shove drawings into them. Oh, I I heard about that. It's so funny because he's trying to do it without them catching him. So they'd just go home and they'd be like, "I got a Jim Lee drawing."
1: (laughs) Or someone, someone who probably didn't really realize, it would be like, "Uh, "Where? Someone, some Jim Lee ripoff shoved this into my bag. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Throw it away." (laughs) And honestly, Jim Lee was
2: such a heavy influence back then that everybody drew like him,
1: Mm -hmm. and it
2: was honestly kind of a problem because a lot of people just, they just ate them instead of drawing. I always felt like you got to have your own style. Um, But so many people just ate Jim Lee. Oh, yeah. A lot of kids drawing a lot of hash marks. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of scratchy face.
1: (laughs) Just off the top of my head. I mean, um, Travis Charae, Brett Booth, Scott Clark, um, Brandon Peterson, um, Jay Scott, yeah, Scott Campbell.
2: He got the job for that because he looked like Jim Lee.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, they, they all influenced such a, you know, again, like the next generation or the next wave of creators.
2: Cool with a lot of those ones you just named, is that they actually did break out into their own style, which I thought was cool.
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. one of the things, like when you're, when you're trying to hit deadlines, you, you can't, you don't have time to emulate. You just draw, you know, mm-hmm. whatever out of you and that's your style which i i think is kind of cool
1: well and look at look at a guy like uh another Jim lee clone like tony daniel i mean he was oh yeah he i think he cut his teeth on some indie books um and now and and for the past how many years he's been like a regular or like a kind of on again off again batman penciler Oh yeah. I mean, he's been working for DC for a number of years and he's primarily been in the bat book. So, I mean, you know,
2: yeah, it'll,
1: it'll get you somewhere if you're good enough, I guess to, to ape someone else, but you gotta, you gotta distinguish yourself. You gotta stand out.
2: Yeah. That's what everybody said. Like Rob, when Rob Liefeld hit, they were all like, he's the next Todd McFarlane. And it's like, well, he doesn't really look like Todd to me, but everybody said he did. And he was like, yeah, sure I do.
3: You know? <laughs> um,
2: but then uh, Greg Capullo was uh, Todd's guy, you know? Oh, right. He looks like Todd. You know, like well, his art even now still looks like Todd's, but it, it has its own distinct style.
1: I think I think Greg Capullo, like when he first came on the scene, when he was – because remember he, he took over for – he took over on X-Force. And I feel like he looked more like Jim Lee than he did oh, either okay. Liefeld or McFarlane. But then when he started doing, but then he went to spawn and I think he changed his style to match. Yeah. So I, I think he's, he's one of those guys he's, he's been talented great, enough. Yeah. He can, he can evolve his style for what it needs to be.
2: Great addition to the Batman books as well.
3: Like
1: yeah.
2: when he moved over, it was amazing stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, they, to uh, tie it, uh, my final note on uh, this this Wildcats is that Grifter is joining the cast of Batman <laughs> in issue one hundred one. Oh, it still looks awkward as hell
1: to see these <laughs> characters together. Oh yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, I heard that that Grifter was making a comeback to the to the DC universe.
2: He's one of the few that they didn't they didn't really just write off. Like, he's still
1: kind of out there so
0: yeah yeah but they don't really
1: <laughs> they don't they, but they just still. don't know they 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 don't know what to do with any wildstorm characters i mean i, I give them credit for trying but it's it's just it's like a, putting a you know a, a round peg into a square hole i mean
0: it's you already have a peg in the hole and the, the new mm-hmm. peg is derivative of your existing peg so yeah. like why do you need I don't know. I was gonna say Supreme, but that's Rob Life. But anyway, like why these characters are kind of based right. off what you already have. So,
2: right. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, I always think back to Malibu. Remember how Marvel bought Malibu, and they were like, mm-hmm. Mar- the Malibu universe is folded into Malibu right now <laughs> in Marvel. And then like that series ended, and then Malibu just went away. Like they yeah, it's never. It's a shame. They never had those characters anywhere.
3: They were just
1: like yeah.
2: on. Yeah, they yeah. I liked it. I liked all those Malibu characters.
1: They they did a couple of weird like one shot crossovers, but I mean yeah. I, I think everyone knows that they Marvel just bought Malibu for their their coloring technology.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Is that, yeah. is that what it was that's, about? That's
1: what it was. They Malibu was was ahead of the game on digital coloring. Marvel wanted it, so they the the easiest thing for them to do was to buy the entire company under the under the um guise of oh we're gonna you know we're eventually gonna fold you know malibu into marvel like the characters and they did do like i said they they had like a silver surfer and like rune crossover and like yeah like there was like a like a some weird like event or miniseries called like the god wheel and i think thor was part of it and Mm -hmm. It was just yeah. It was just ill-fated. Uh, I, it's clunky. I, I, yeah, yeah. I you know I do have a
0: bunch but, of issues of Prime because my man Norm brave, brave Ogle, Oh, I loved yeah. Prime. Yeah,
1: I loved Prime. That was really good. And they are dated as all get out.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, once again, I think that was like a secret government agency running some kind of superior program.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I
2: mean, it's, yeah. probably
1: <laughs> Yeah, but you know, but then you know, Marvel got what they wanted, and I guess whoever was on the receiving end from Malibu, you know, I guess they got what they wanted. They, they must've made some money off of that deal. And that was it. And we never saw those characters again. I guess maybe Marvel said like, well, these are all technically ours now. We're not going to do anything with them, but they, we own them.
0: You know, it's, it's funny, Duke, you talk about the influence of that trope. Um, I'm guilty of it. My man strips. It's the, <laughs> then a little short little general guy. Oh, yeah. Incredible man, like serving clandestinely with a shadow government organization, <laughs> backing <laughs> a
1: superhero. But it's, so. Uh, I'm a hack too. <laughs> well, you know, Jared, I, Jared, I think you're in, I, you're in good company because uh, Kirkman did that with Invincible for a while. Yeah,
2: Kirkman totally did it
1: because he. I uh. He the, I
0: purposely avoided reading that book until after I had finished plotting my first issue of Incrediman, just because I was like, uh-oh, a superhero with an I in his name. I got to be careful. Got I vo- don't want to be influenced. <laughs> and then once I got that first one out of the way, I ate those trades up like they were
2: Honestly, cookies. Honestly, it's, it's tough to come up with an original idea anymore anyway.
0: I mean, mm-hmm. even, kind
2: of, even while I work on my, my book, Kaiju Kitty, I, I'm i just like, this is just Spawn. Like, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> like, I try to make it different, but a lot of times I'm like, that's
0: yeah, fun <laughs> uh, for me writing those things a lot of the fun was taking the tropes
1: and and then like, just putting a spin on them yeah yeah i i, I may have told this story before but i'm going to tell it again anyways because it's funny um so you know back when with the the whole image explosion like and and you know, everyone was excited to try and make their own comics and me and my friends were no different like I was the artist and, but all three of us kind of came up with the ideas and we had this great idea for this character. And I started doing character sketches and laying books out and we're like, Oh, we should go talk to, at, at the time we went to uh, time tunnel comics, which was run oh, yeah. by, by Pat Donnelly. And um, Pat used to uh, publish mini comics for a couple of guys. So we thought, Oh, let's go oh, yeah. talk to Pat. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll publish our mini comic. So we go down there. I've got my whole folder full of sketches, and we're just we're just jacked up. We are so excited to talk to Pat about this guy. So we go, the three of us get there, and we're we're talking. Pat's behind the counter. We're the we're going on for like half an hour about this character. I'm showing him sketches and blah blah blah. And Pat's just nodding his head. And finally, like we're like, so what do you think? And he's like, okay, so it's like Spawn. And we we all just stopped. We're like, oh shit, it is like Spawn. <laughs> like we just didn't see it like we were so wrapped up in, in what we thought was a great story and great character we're like oh this is completely derivative we had no idea because we were 17 18 years old and we were stupid
2: yeah it's like sometimes though like i i kind of get into that you know with uh kaiju kitty because there's a new book out called um, inkwell and it's basically this girl spills ink and it somehow magically influences, and creates a cat, a black cat with green eyes. And I'm like, it uh. shifts and does stuff. And I'm
0: like, ah, and I'm but like, you might just think alike, Scott.
2: but I'm like, you know what, though? Like my, I know my idea is not original. I know there's, there's hundreds of cat comics, mm. you know, there's hundreds of cat things because everybody loves making, you know, stuff out of their pets. So, like you, you have to accept it to some degree too, and just be like, "Well, hopefully I have a unique voice somewhere in the mix of voices you know that are all saying like,
3: "My pet's so funny and cool you know, like, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well yeah, it's, you know everyone you know everyone just has to accept and admit that there's just nothing new under the sun, and that's okay.
2: right. But you're still there, you know, you still look at it and you're like, you know, did I entertain you know, entertain <laughs> the audience, you know, stuff like that, and you're like, Yeah, okay, it's fine. So because hey, we're talking about 30 year old comic books and um, you know, there's people out there that haven't heard of it. So That's true. Yeah. You know, there's millions of <laughs> no. There's literally millions of these cat or wildcat books. <laughs>
1: Hellcat, Wildcats, Dog and Cat. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, we, you guys want to start wrapping things up? We've been at it for about an hour or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think we've – we came, we saw. We,
1: <laughs> we went back in time. We
0: read, we read Wildcats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we came, we saw. We were conquered by Wildcats. Um, but we would be remiss if we did not uh, announce um, some exciting news. Uh, first, uh, Comic Book Pit has a uh, Patreon account now, and you can support the Comic Book Pit in one of many different ways. Um, so check out patreon.com comicbookpit. And we actually have our first uh, sponsor, for this show.
0: That's right, Dan. We do. This week's episode of the comic book pit is brought to you and me and Scott by Thriftburg. Need a gift. That's more interesting than a gift card. Are you looking to reclaim a piece of your childhood? Thriftburg is your online shut stop for all things vintage and nostalgic. From the 1950s to the 1990s. They have everything from retro kitchen, dining, and barware to action figures, games, books, pop culture, collectibles, and more. Check out their hundreds of unique vintage items at thriftburg.com.
1: Awesome. Yes. Thank you to Thriftburg for being our first uh, business sponsor. Thriftburg, We're- you made this boy's dream come true. <laughs>
0: for eight years, I've been dying to do live reads on this program. <laughs> and it
1: finally happened that's right that's right that that was that was that was jared's make a wish yeah <laughs> um but again that's seven times over but i made it <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so there's so um you can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash pit you can uh, get some comic book pit merch at our merchandise shop, which uh, the link will be in the show notes. Um, if you are just interested in making a one-time donation, you can uh, do that via our Ko-fi account. The link for that is also will also be in the show notes. So, uh, And if you don't want to spend any money, that's totally cool. You can uh, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and we would uh, like that as well.
3: Now,
0: Dan, if I'm telling tales out of school, yes, sir. edit this out. But with the Patreon account, you're not just getting nothing for something. You're not just forking over a dollar a month oh, right. to listen to the free podcast. That is true. Those same hackneyed comics Scott and I were just talking about, <laughs> you're going to get them. Yeah, you'll see them. For yeah. your, your entry-level uh, contribution. You're going to get the incredible Funnies. Eventually, you get the Kaiju Kitties or something else Scott wants to do, and you get in the uh, the Sean Atkins strips, whatever they may be. Probably the Hard Lemonades. Mm-hmm. Oh Those yeah, the strips we were doing on the old seven x seven thing. They're coming to home to the comic book pit. That's right, Patreon.
1: We're gonna have yeah, we're gonna have uh, weekly web comics. We're gonna have um, other incentives. You can. You know, depending on the level, you can um, you can be a sponsor. You can send in um, a topic or uh, for us to discuss or a comic for us to review. You can um, the highest level, you can be a guest on the show and also get all the rewards that come before that. So um, definitely check out the different patron le- uh, patron tiers. There's uh, I feel like there's something for everybody. Um, oh, also the uh, the uh, the links. Uh, Kate and Link are going to have their own. Uh, it's going to be a a a Patreon, a Patreon exclusive anime review and discussion show.
0: Oh, nice! And so, and to add, not only are we bringing our comics, we're we're bringing a, a comics podcast, a podcast about our comics. Yep. Exclusive as well. Are we still using that name? I don't want to say the name if it's not the name. Oh, yeah. That's the name. The Sequential Underground. It's coming back mm-hmm. as a uh, patron-exclusive podcast. You can listen to me, Sean, and Scott talk about the comics that you read every week. Tell them the tagline, Jared. Scott, yeah. we talk comics, we make comics. That's right. <laughs> this That's is a long right. time brewing, and it's finally it's percolating.
2: Like it's all starting to
1: waggly no <laughs> i
0: like my coffee analogy it's all yeah, starting to, <laughs> it's all starting to come
1: together yeah um, but yeah there's going to be there there are, there are a lot of different uh incentives and rewards and goals that we're working towards and, and that we have available for you so um and once again i mean there's a there's a there's a tier for everybody so uh, if you want to help out a little bit, if you want to help out a lot, it's up to you. And um, like I said, it, how, however you uh, want to support the show, we are uh, d- deeply indebted. So um, anyone have any uh, final thoughts or mentions or anything?
0: I, I, th- I think we've covered it all.
1: Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of comic book pit this has been episode 364 i'm dan and with me we've got scott no idea,
2: everybody.
1: and jared yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next time